0: Hey, Jay. Yeah, Q? Do you like movies? I do. Do you like bars? I do. Do you like watching movies in bars? I've never really done that before, but should I? The world needs to watch movies in bars, and High Five is making that happen. I do love alcohol, and I do love drinking alcohol while watching movies. Can I do those things here? You can. Exclusively at The Crying Wolf in East Nashville, the first Sunday of every month. Now, Q... What type of movies could I watch during this experience that sounds great? Have you ever heard of Condor Man? No. What about Zachariah? No. What about Attack of the Puppet People? You know what, I actually have heard of all of these, but these sound like fantastic experience B movies. They are. And not only do you get to watch the fantastic movie itself, but you get to watch them in their proper presentation, VHS. (laughs) That's amazing. So with the FBI
1: warning and tracking lines run throughout. Exactly. That's amazing. Will more people be there
0: with us? They should be, absolutely. Tickets are on sale available through www.highfivethepodcast.com.
1: Now, I don't have a lot of money, Mm -hmm. so... Would I be spending, you know, like $30 or $40 for this? Because that's what a night out at the movies costs for me and my family now. You
0: can, but you'd be way overpaying.
1: Come, We're only charging $4. Oh, I have $4.
0: Do you? Give it to us. (laughs) Wait, we already... It's our show. Okay. We don't have to buy tickets for I'll keep my
1: $4, but people coming would pay us $4
0: to see a movie, and then they can get drinks and stuff and food at the bar. Guess what else? The bar is having themed... Snacks and beverages. That's pretty amazing. Tailored to each of the movies
1: that I mentioned. That's pretty amazing. So uh, they can see movies such as Condor Man, Attack of the Puppet People, uh, Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, The Howling Two. Ooh. What about Zachariah, the psychedelic Western
0: opera? Definitely. I love it. So they need to get their butts the first Sunday of every month to The Crying Wolf in East Nashville for high five colon home movies. I'll be there. I'll think about it. You are now listening to High Five the Podcast, a movie podcast for people who like other stuff, too. Now let's join our hosts, Q and J, as they broadcast live from the writer's room. The show starts in one
1: Well it's good that we just got brand new cords for the microphone so they can sound crisp and clear. True and that. now the crispness is really just the bubbles from the crisp. beer. Crisp.
0: Crispin Glover. Crispin. Crispin. Crispin.
1: Do you think Crispin Glover has sued the alcohol Crispin for using his likeness? Like yeah, he for did with sure. like he did with Back to the Future? Of course he did. He's all over the place suing people. He is. He is very litigious. <laughs> You know what? But I take that back. I love Crispin Glover. Don't sue us, Crispin Glover. Yes,
0: please. (laughs) Keep your loins far from us. At
1: first I thought you said keep your loins (laughs)
0: far from us. Since you went all... Keep your
1: paws off my silky drawers,
0: (laughs) You went all like
1: to kill a mockingbird on that. Keep your loins far from us. Far from us. (laughs)
0: Uh-huh. Now, I'm, say, now I'm French. <laughs> no, I was doing. Um, oh, what's that? Yeah, Pierre from All That. No, no, I, was, <laughs> <laughs> I am in this bathtub. <laughs> no, I was doing. Wee oui, wee oui, pee pee.
1: I was doing the big rooster from Looney Tunes.
0: <laughs> oh, uh-huh. I see, I, I, I say, I do. I say, I say, I say, boy. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um. All right. Oh. So anyway, moving moving right along to. Welcome to the show in which you have no idea what we're talking about. I say, I say, I do. <laughs> this is, uh, as you know, loyal listeners, this is a high five podcast with your loyal hosts, Jay. Me. And uh, Q. Q, or also now known as Dr. Q. I mean,
1: congrats on your doctor. Thank you.
0: Um, I spent about four days. Nice. Online. And I am now a 100% certified medical doctor, which is great. So I will not refer to you as
1: doctor. But now, when you tell me you want to play doctor, you'll actually have a reason. Yeah, 100%. So,
0: uh, so yeah. So that's that's what that's how I roll up in this piece. But that's not we're, what we're talking about. That's today. not what we're talking about. But it is kind of what we're talking about.
1: Because oh yeah?
0: Just like I was a one-hit wonder. In the medical profession. Oh, my God. <laughs> this episode has to do with one-hit wonder, directors. Now, do you think that that's a good enough segue to get us into a high five? I don't.
1: I I really, I think that's probably the worst segue we've ever done. And you know what I would say to that is I get knocked down, but I get up again. Tub thumping. High five. Should we high five? High five.
0: High five. High five. High five. High
1: five. High five, son! Woo! High five! Don't let me hang <laughs> And we are
0: back. <laughs> and we are back. Uh, recording this episode of High Five. Take two. Which focuses on... One-hit one hit hit wonder, wonder directors. directors. Now, which, what
1: does that mean, Q?
0: Um, well, that one time that the Flock of Seagulls directed that movie about... I think it was called Hair. I loved that movie. Uh-huh. Was that and off the Broadway meat, musical? It starred Meatloaf and was about. I don't know where I was fucking going with that. I thought there was some funny. I was about to say, t- don't
1: you dare refer to Meatloaf as a one hit wonder. I
0: thought there was some funny. I would do anything <laughs> for love, yeah. but I wouldn't do But that. I won't do that. I won't refer to him. Do as you a think that song's about butt stuff? Yeah, well, of course. Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Just
1: wanted to make sure. Forced butt stuff. It's like a bat out of hell.
0: Forced butt stuff. Though. Okay, yeah. Not just like consenting butt stuff. <laughs> when everyone's on board with the butt stuff? Yeah, no. No, not no, about no, no. that. This is non-onboard butt stuff. Should we introduce the show? Yeah, we should do it again as we have. This is High Five the Podcast. <laughs> 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 no, but seriously, we're talking one-hit wonder directors this episode. Now, this is a weird one. Uh we were talking about, you know, cuz we've run through a bunch of the normal Topics, so to speak, regarding like genres or specific actors, right? And we wanted to do something that was a little different, and so we had, after much thought and effort, deliberation. Mac, some may say maximum effort. Uh, Deadpool reference for yeah, you. I liked it. Um, you know, crying,
1: deliberation, yes. arguing, forced butt stuff. Forced. <laughs>
0: um, then we hit upon the fact that we wanted to do something that is. Is oft not discussed.
1: You know, I mean, we've been hell. We've been doing the show for like a year and a half now. We have shows coming out every single Friday. We've gotten to the point now where just saying, "Oh,
0: the top five action movies," is not is not really fun. No, we we got to change it up now. We want we want to give the listeners all two and a half of them what they want to hear. Right, and what they want are lists that they can't find anywhere else. You know, we don't want to just crib other people's lists. We want people to crib. Our list. That's right, and And so we're we're setting the bar today. We're setting the standard for weird lists that you didn't know you wanted, but now you can't live without. Want can't live without it.
1: So now, Q, explain to me. Everybody knows what a one-hit wonder song is. Yep. You you mentioned flocks of seagulls. I've mentioned tub thumping. There we could the we the list could go on and on and on and on. But Barbie Girl. (laughs) Sure.
0: I'm oh, too, I thought, I thought the too, list was just going to go on I'm on. too sexy. Yes. You know. But you are.
1: Oh, things, you mean the song, not just the thing. Things statement? of that. You know, Tainted Love. My Sharona.
0: Eh, it, eh, it just goes on and on and on. my and Sharona. Wrapped up like a deuce. Another roller in the night.
1: Turning Japanese. Yes, I'm turning Japanese. I really, really think so. so. Ooh, we went
0: like operatic. On I that liked one. that.
1: Me too. Um, but when we're talking about directors... Mm. How did you put this list together? Because we didn't give any each other any stipulations sure, whatsoever. Sure. Yeah. All right. So
0: for me, my list basically consisted of I went through and I picked uh, movies by directors. Now it's not necessarily the only film that they have ever directed, okay. but it was the film that brought with with it the most critical or audience acclaim. To sure, it, money making a claim. So, so it's either a financial success or a critical success. So, your list, uh, these directors
1: have directed multiple other films, even some that people may have heard about. But there was
0: one true hit hit that that they were like, "Wow, this is by all standards, this was a very successful movie." Okay, I'm actually glad to hear
1: you say that. My list is very similar, although I did try and really be. Judgmental on some of these because there are a few that I desperately wanted to include. But when you know, looking through the filmography or thinking about their filmography, I noticed that while the other ones weren't as successful as the one everyone's familiar with, they were relatively wide-released, you know, not too panned. And so I wasn't able to include some of these directors. I tried to keep mine to where they really only had one thing that their name is associated with, right. and then either disappeared completely, as in one of mine, he literally directed one movie and then dropped off the face of the earth. Like literally? Like like flat
0: earthers, I believe? Like yes. he just, just walked, walked to the edge. Off the side. And Boop. right off. Right off the side. And then he just like floated yeah. like Sandra Bullock gravity style. He's still out there. Like He's clinging to a space goodman. Space. Nice. Yeah.
1: Um, but then some of the others were, <laughs> they would make one movie and then all their others would be duds.
0: Um, okay.
1: So that's kind of where I, I landed.
0: Yeah. And now I will even say that there may be a director or two on my, I mean, on, yeah, on my list that some of their other movies may have even been like not horrible movies. Right. But they never reached the level of success that. Yeah. this one film gave them. I'm
1: definitely curious to hear your list because I think that yours will have some of my honorable mentions that I edged out because I was so particular about. Because
0: you're real into edging?
1: Yeah. I'm edging this whole episode. That's weird. <laughs> Just so
0: you know, that's why I sound so happy.
1: And disappointed.
0: <laughs> and disappointed at the same time.
1: Um. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of where my mindset was from this. Uh, I would love for us to to dive in if you're ready, or is there anything else you want to bring up for the
0: listeners at home? (laughs) (laughs) That's such a weird way to to say that. I'm trying to be more professional. (laughs) I'm sure everything about this episode up to this point has been nothing but the utmost example of professionalism. You have to
1: say things in a deep, operatic voice that sound important.
0: Lion Witch and the Wardrobe. Do you also just drop your Rs? Because I notice Shakespeare. you're doing imp- Things that sound impotent. Impotent. <laughs> impotent. <laughs> All right. Yes. Now I I'm, think three of my directors are impotent. Speaking of impotency, I'm ready to dive into your list. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Segway. Uh, <laughs> so I will start Jay's list.
1: Jay. Um and you know what? I'm actually gonna start at number five this time. Ooh. Work my yeah mind-blowing this is gonna be our one hit wonder episode it really
0: this is gonna be it this is just gonna be the last show is canceled everybody all right here we go recorder may not even work anyway so it's fine all right so my
1: number five is a name you've probably heard Uh uh-huh my number five director one hit wonder director is tom hanks
0: I have heard that name. Yeah. Because it is also my number five. Is it really? (laughs) High five. (laughs) Tom Hanks is my number five for that thing you do. That thing? Oh, no. I was talking about Larry Crown Affair. (laughs) Yes, because that was a critical (laughs) and fucking uh, financial just windfall for the studio.
1: No, I'm of course talking about that thing you do, exclamation point. Um, I do have in my notes followed up with Larry Crown Affair with a a frowny face after
0: (laughs) it. (laughs) So you're rating them like the girl in Mallrats? Yeah. <laughs> you just a- like you just like codexed <laughs> all your directors yeah. by like how you slept with them. If I if I
1: have like a, a cloud, it means I fucked the movie in the bushes.
0: Ooh, I like
1: if it. If I have an X, it means I orgasmed. Nice. If I have a smiley face, it means they made Thomas Crown Affair.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you mean Larry Crown Affair? <laughs> Did I say Thomas that, Crown a fair? It's not even a fair. It's just Larry
1: Crown. Yeah. Oh it is? Oh I'm thinking Thomas Crown Affair <laughs> yes, with Matt Damon. Are.
0: No, it's still the wrong movie because Thomas Crown Affair had Pierce Brosnan in it. <laughs> My God. What am I thinking? What's the I Matt have, Damon one? I have no idea.
1: <laughs> I'm You're literally
0: good. just like making up shit. I'm at not this good point. at movies
1: right now. Um, re- <laughs> Which is a
0: terrible way to start our movie-related <laughs> podcast. I don't know movies good. <laughs> I can't speak good Welcome neither. to this brand. Welcome to this brand new episode of I Don't Know Movies Good, <laughs> where we just speculate on movies that don't exist <laughs> and misinform you about actors that may or may not have been part of anything that we discussed. Oh, I hate you. Oh, God. So much. But we're... Hey, but you can't hate me too much, because we shared... Our number five. I was thinking of the talented Mr. Ripley.
1: <laughs> that's not Thomas. That Crown is not affair. even
0: close. <laughs> to, not even, I don't even know why. That's like, a, yeah, I can't even say that's a Bill Pullman, Bill Paxton situation. Those are just two completely different movies. Even the names aren't similar. They have names in them. <laughs> they, they, You're right. They totally and
1: actors. You know what? You know what it is? What? They came out in the same year. Did they? Yeah. They came out within a month of each other. All right. Which is why I got confused. <laughs> I'll give
0: it to you. That's That logic still that's, doesn't make sense. That's uh, that's my right.
1: big reach. But yeah, no, number five is Tom Hanks for That Thing You Do. Yep, I love um, that movie. Tom Hanks is a national treasure as an actor. For um, sure. Even as a producer. Uh, yeah. we, we watched Sully recently, and it's very, very good. And let's say as a human being. Oh, my God, as a human being. This guy is amazing. I know they made a joke about it on Saturday Night Live, but if him and The Rock ran for president and vice president, I would vote for them. Oh, definitely. In a heartbeat. I wouldn't even care what their platform is. Like 100%. Our platform is on like legal murder. I'd be like, yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Good for you guys. Well,
0: knowing that it's The Rock and the state of the country that we live in, pro- their platform would probably be electrolytes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> their platform would probably be like, I don't know, like it's, a solid oak of some yeah, sort. It's what plants crave. Because the uh, The Rock is huge. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, but so we should talk about that thing you do, because that's your number that's five as well. Yeah,
0: All right, so I saw this movie in the theater. Oh, nice. Several times. As did I. Uh, because, as you know, technically kind of falls into one of my favorite genres. It's technically a musical. Oh, I thought you meant Beatles spinoffs. Yeah, 100% that too. But no, mainly it's because it features music so prominently throughout does. the movie. It that it kind of falls into the musical category. Not the spontaneous musical. That nobody's bursting out into song. Right. But there is uh, songs that were created specifically for the movie. Right. For this fictional band. Full length songs too. Absolutely. They had an album. I owned the album. It's it's a pretty good album. It is really good. The Wonders were pretty good. They were. And, and you wonder why they didn't have more hits. Wonder, wonder who. I wonder who. Who
1: wrote the thing you do <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep that was the thing that just happened
1: um but yeah i mean when you think of one hit wonders it's almost almost outside the purview to think of someone like tom hanks but knowing that he has and i hate to say this because i love the man but f- basically failed as a director after right. that i mean he did larry crown and that was about it i don't well, think he's had anything else well you know that
0: he had a record label off of this too. Right. Um Playtone, Play-tone Records. Which yeah. was the fictional record label in the movie. Right. Which then became a real record label that put out their the album. Right. And is now still his record label. Like which do you it still feels, have things released on Playtone? It feels
1: like a real record label. I mean it I know it like is a real it, but it label. yes, it definitely feels and sounds like something that could have and should have existed. Totally. Um I when I saw it, I loved that thing you do. I I thought that all the actors in it did phenomenally well. I was a huge fan of Steve Zahn because of this movie. Oh,
0: totally. Now
1: he's been in a lot since then, and you can you know, you can decry the merits of some of his films. Um, some of them are really good. Goon is actually very good that he stars in. But you know, it's hit or miss for him. It really is. But that movie was he was perfectly cast as that did sarcastic. You say
0: Goon? Yeah. You mean the goon, like the hockey movie? Yeah. Is it the goon? That's not Steve on.
1: It's not. Oh, you're right. That's <laughs> Jesus Christ. What What are you doing? Tonight? I don't know. I'm looking at the wrong Wikipedia what's page. Go, what's doing. going on? You're right. Are you okay?
0: No. <laughs> That's uh. What's his face? And uh, let's For be American Pie. Sean Sean William Scott. Let's be yeah. honest here. Out of the two of us, you're the more knowledgeable one. So I, the fact that I... I'm throwing you a bone this episode. Are you, though? No. I feel like you're stroking out, maybe. I think <laughs> like, I might be. Okay. Other than, other <clears> than the <throat> fact that your answers have been real weird and half of your face is drooping, <laughs> I'm very concerned.
1: My uh, my heartbeat is a one-hit wonder. It's oh. just... Oh,
0: no, because no, it hits once, and then you wonder yeah. where it went. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Oh, that's sad. Don't die. But okay. I (laughs) I still have so much more planned for our podcast.
1: (laughs) I do know Steve Zahn is. Let me put that out there. He was on Friends for an episode. Um, (laughs) Yes. But I. He also started Happy Texas, which is pretty good. That's a real thing. That's a hockey movie. (laughs) That was actually a hockey movie, wasn't it?
0: (laughs) No. What is wrong with me? Uh, I'm what pretty sure be- that was dance choreography. No, what, is what Happy I had Texas it. is about dance choreography? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'm
1: just going to go with you on that because I've been wrong so I, much yeah, so far. I don't know if that's
0: true either. <laughs> I think I just made that up. Uh, Steve Zahn, also known as uh, Steve of Zahn. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm back on top now. <laughs> yeah. See, I threw you a boner. <laughs> um, all right. So. Uh, Who else was in this movie? Who got? Well, let's give me me a cast. Uh, Well, we've got Tom Hanks. Yep. Obviously. He played the manager. He did. Liv Tyler. Ooh.
1: Daughter of Aerosmith.
0: (laughs) The whole band. (laughs) Yeah. Just they all pulled their semen into one person (laughs) and it just became Liv Tyler. They didn't
1: put it into one person, they crafted it. Oh, like And then put it into like an oven burner. And then she came out and they just painted her. She's
0: an artisan human. Yeah. It's
1: like one of those where you go and you make and paint pottery together but they all just jizzed onto a table. And then spun it around it. with
0: their feet. Ghost style? And, yeah. So and, somebody was just like helping them pile up just mounds of jizz. Yeah. That's and, disgusting. And that's where Liv Tyler We've came from. We've said a bunch of gross shit on the show before, but that may <laughs> take the cumcake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, from now on, anytime you see Liv Tyler, just know that she's a mountain of jizz. <laughs> that's.
0: Terrible. This
1: episode is brought to you by Liv Tyler. <laughs>
0: Mountain of jizz. <laughs> Mountain of jizz. <laughs> All right. So now, who Yikes. we do
1: who we do have is I always forget this guy's name because I think he looks like Colin Hanks, but Tom Everett Scott. Tom Everett Scott.
0: Who wasn't he in like a a American Werewolf in London like reboot like spinoff American Werewolf in Paris? Or yeah, something? he
1: was because that, he looks like the guy from American Werewolf in, in London. Um, <clears throat> he's been in a bunch of stuff. He was in uh he was in La La Land. Yeah, this, he was. This year.
0: He was also in uh, Thirteen Reasons. Have you seen that show yet? On oh, Netflix? He played you know my wife watched that. Of one of the characters,
1: yeah, my wife watched that. I like Tom Everett Scott. I think he does great in this movie as uh, as guy. You know, as the as the dude who comes in to save the band, right? Uh, otherwise known as the Ringo Star, right. <laughs> who he's totally based off of.
0: Uh, is he? Yeah. All
1: right. Oh, well, okay. Because let me get back on my nerdy high yeah. horse here. Is that's how the this movie almost follows the exact story of the Beatles because the Beatles had an original drummer. That drummer hurt himself or got sick and was not able to do some shows and go on tour with the Beatles. So Ringo Starr stepped in and became their all the time drummer. Now, unlike that thing you do, no one would say Ringo Starr saved that band and made them famous, but you know, Tom Hanks had to take some liberties with the story. Um, Outside of Tom Everett, Scott, and Steve Zahn, uh, Ethan Embry is in this. Always fun. And a very early Charlize Theron. Ooh. Yeah. Charlize Theron. Which who, I always forget that she was in this movie. Do you? Yeah. Why? <clears throat> I don't know. I just don't think, when I think of Charlize Theron movies, I don't think that thing you do for whatever reason. Same reason I forget that Giovanni Rabisi is in this movie. Giovanni Rabisi, I love him. Who I love. Um, but, yeah, I mean, all in all, th- this was sort of, you know, an out-of-the-gate success for Tom Hanks. He wrote it. He directed it. It's sitting pretty with, like, a 93 on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, critics and audiences love this film. And so to not really be able to follow that up, it it fits perfectly in that one-hit wonder category totally. for me. 100%. Because it feels like sort of a, the perfect meshing of the right ingredients, and it might not have had it might not have been tom hanks's
0: directorial vision that drove it to success and it should have worked by all accounts and he should have been able to repeat the success i he
1: of everybody on this list he's the one i'm most surprised by that has not had a follow up success
0: like he didn't take the one director that or actor turned director that won't be on this list Mr. Uh, ben Affleck. Oh, yeah. Who has had hit after hit. Multiple hits. Uh, and hopefully
1: the new Batman movie will also be one. Which probably he he's no longer though. directing. I know.
0: Now it's Matt Reeves.
1: Which I'm fine with, but honestly, that's gone through so many changes. I'm really scared. I really don't know. I'm really scared I really about don't know it. how. Although I
0: did see Wonder Woman recently. And it's awesome. And it's good. So it kind of gave me a little <laughs> bit of a DC rebirth. I was very happy that they listened to our episode. And then took all of our advice. Isn't that flattering? Yeah. It's just nice to know that the big wigs at DC really, really value our opinion. They somehow heard the episode that we recorded
1: and released on the day that Wonder Woman right. was released. They somehow incorporated all of our advice eight months previously Amazing. into the film. Well, it, was, that's, it was great. It uh, was really nice of them. That's what wealth and power gets you. Yeah. Time the travel. <laughs> exactly. The to time 100%. Travel. But I am honestly surprised that Tom Hanks hasn't been able to follow this up because... He's been around successful directors. He's been around successful I mean, he's stories. worked with the best.
0: He's basically a, he's part of the Spielberg staple. Spielberg staple. Or he's stable. worked with Clint Eastwood. Yep. Uh, I mean... This dude has done it all. And... The Wachowski he, siblings. That's true. He
1: knows what a successful film set looks like. He knows what a f- successful script looks like. So, the fact that this was his kind of one and only really hurrah is very Sur- Surprising. surprising. Um, I would like him to you know, come back and make something fantastic. It definitely wasn't Larry Crown. No. Did you see that? A nope. It was abysmal. Nope. It's not I joke. heard
0: enough negative stuff about it that I just didn't care. Also, <laughs> after watching the trailer, I just didn't care.
1: Yeah, it's just... Basically, the whole movie is, hey, Tom Hank rides a moped, in that hilarious? And like, that's the whole
0: movie. And it's like, no. It's like, no, that's it's really he's not. not. He's not. It's not <laughs> great. That's not um, hilarious.
1: But yeah, I mean... It was my number five. It was your number five. What yeah. else? What do you want to say about it?
0: Um, no, I mean, uh, you pretty much hit all the bullet points for me. Um, I think for me, it was one of those movies that uh, really registered for me with the musical side of things. Mm. I love that era yeah. of music. Um, and so everything was really well done from a well-crafted story to very impressive you know, music written for the movie to great performances, to a good direction. I think it's just a really solid, well-made film. And, like, you know, I can't agree with you more. I'm pretty bummed that Tom Hanks hasn't been able to put out another. Right. So, and I have a feeling we're going to say that a lot with some of these. Because some of these one-hit wonders I loved so much that I wanted nothing more than a spiritual successor to what they've done. Right. And I just haven't gotten it. So I've got a massive case of movie blue balls. And
1: I honestly, I get to the point, and this is outside of the list conversation, but I think it's an important one to have, is because of some of these movies and because of some of these directors, uh-huh. especially the ones that I have in my honorable mentions, when a director comes out of the gate and is fantastic, right? I get very, very nervous. Because I don't want their follow-up to be— To not be good? To be terrible. Like, I can tell you with 100% certainty that um, Jeremy Saulnier, who I've talked about on the show before, who made Blue Ruin— And Green Room? Yes. When I watched Blue Ruin, I was dumbfounded by how good it was. And then when Green Room was coming out, I was so nervous that it was going to be just schlock— and that he was going to kind of disappear off the face of good directing. Right. That I went into that movie very trepidatious. Luckily, it's fantastic, and he's going to be a gem in the movie world. But, like, it's that type of thing that always makes me nervous now because of some of these. Right. Yeah. And actually, my number four is a kind of a perfect example of that.
0: Segway! Do
1: you see how I did that? I did. Um, well, this one's going to be kind of – I don't know if everybody's going to agree. It's a little risky. Uh, but my number four – Risky business? Is Paul Brickman uh... – from Risky Business.
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Puns are fun. I
1: know, right? Um, so, Paul Brickman. A lot of people haven't heard of his name unless you are just a diehard fan of Risky Business. <laughs> Specifically,
0: Rick, risk, Ricky Business. Ricky
1: Business. <laughs> I think that's an episode of Rick and Morty. <laughs> I think,
0: I think it, that was Ricky Business. It is Ricky <laughs> Business.
1: Um, but, yeah, I mean, this movie is is a landmark film. I mean, it's... Can wh- I tell you something? What?
0: I have never seen Risky Business. Really? No. That's surprising. Can I tell you something else? What? I'm not a Tom Cruise fan. Well, I mean, honestly. So it's one of those things where, like, it, because I wasn't in existence at the time that this movie came out, um, at least in the scope of the watching cognitive movies, steps, yeah. right, uh, it's never been one that I was like, I should go back and see this movie because it you know i'm of course like everybody else in the pop culture zeitgeist i'm aware of the underwear dancing scene right. from this movie with him like sliding out in his socks and the sunglasses so i've i feel like I've gotten the best that that movie has to offer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might disagree. I might disagree
1: with that. Uh, uh, do you know the premise of the film? I, is it just
0: Tom Cruise has a house party in his underwear? No. Oh, okay. Okay,
1: so the premise of the movie is that Tom Hanks' parents go out of town for a while. All right. And the the sliding in his underwear scene is like... It's basically the Home Alone montage when he's eating all the ice cream and watching whatever he wants. It's yeah,
0: I have freedom and I can do whatever I want to do. Exactly.
1: Okay. So what ends up happening is he meets this girl out Uh and about. They have sex Uh and he basically falls in love with her to find out she's a prostitute. Oh. Things get quickly out of hand and basically by the end of the movie, he's running a brothel out of his house to help save her. (laughs) What? Yeah, so it's sort of like a quintessential dirty... Coming of age comedy. Okay, and it's very very good. Now, I am not a huge fan of Tom Cruise either. So okay. when it comes to the modern day Mission Impossible movies or his sure. mummy abortion, I tell um, you what I
0: did like though. Hold on, this is just a total Tom Cruise side note. I did enjoy. What was that movie Die Another Day or li- Live Die Repeat? Or... That's
1: not the name of that movie, but that's basically what they branded
0: it as. The fuck it's is Edge that of movie. Tomorrow? Edge of Tomorrow. That was a
1: solid flick. That is man. a fantastic. And movie. you know
0: what? He's fine.
1: He's good in that. He's fine in that. But I also think that part of the reason that that movie is so appealing is you get to watch him die 800 Just times
0: over and over. He gets and murdered over. so
1: brutally so many times in that movie. Um but yes, for the most part, you know, when it comes to his Jason Bourne rip-off movies nah. or some of the Mission Impossibles are enjoyable to a degree, this mummy thing that he's doing, you know.
0: Oh, and I I like uh it, I like uh, Rain Man.
1: Right. Well, Rain Man's good. It, he kind of peaked at Vanilla
0: Sky, in my opinion. Oh, fuck. I forgot about I Vanilla like, Sky. I enjoy that movie quite yeah. a bit.
1: You like Top Gun?
0: Eh. Top, I
1: mean, Top Gun. The Gun's, homosexual
0: side of me loves Top Gun.
1: Right. Well, top, I mean, Top Gun's kind of a classic. Days of Thunder. You know, there are movies. I There's kind of like two segments in my mind of tom cruise there's like young tom cruise sure like young hungry trying to be a great actor tom cruise sure which risky business falls into that category okay and then there's like older successful scientology crazy tom cruise Cruise that it's almost like the two michael jacksons like there was jackson 5 michael jackson and then there was like beat it Billie Jean, Michael Jackson. They're like two different people. You have to think of them as two different people or you go crazy. Or your head explodes. So Tom Cruise is kind of like that for me. Okay. you know, Like I said, once Vanilla Sky hit, everything after that for me has sort of been a wash except for Edge of Tomorrow. Fair enough. Um, But this movie is sort of one of those quintessential teenage comedy movies. Uh, This one also has a 96 on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, critics and audiences went crazy for it it has critics the famous, and audiences you know, will agree uh, it has the ha. see <laughs> now i'm not now i'm not knocking shit over oh um, shit has the famous underwear slide scene but the thing about paul brickman is he did that movie and then basically disappeared like he has directed or produced some stuff. He directed a movie called men don't leave, which no one's heard of or seen. And then just like Kaiser Sose vanished in the night. And so that's why for me, he's number four on this list because not only did he make a quintessential milestone cinema film that almost everybody Tom Cruise fan or not familiar with the film or not has heard of and is familiar with to a degree. Fair. And then has done nothing, and that's it. It's not even a matter of like, oh, he directed something else. And it was kind of good, but it wasn't nearly it as was good. Like, as no, that was yeah. it It was that, and pretty much dropped off the face of the earth. Um, he's with there with the other guy that I have on my list. That's like that. So that for me is why you know it's a little bit higher than Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks did have Larry Crown. It was people knew about it, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, whatever. But risky business. This guy hit it and quit it. <laughs> All right. Like Tom Cruise should have done in Risky Business. So, that's my 5 and 4 and you know, we've we've talked a lot. So I want to hear your 4 and then we can go to commercial and uh and then come back for our Don't top you three. fucking tell me what to do? I am. I'm in charge now. I've taken over. All right, you ready to for... reclaim my manhood from messing up so many movies <laughs> in the beginning? <laughs> Too late.
0: Mm. All right, you ready I for love this? that Tom
1: Cruise movie The Goonies. It's the best, right? Yeah. He's so He's Directed by
0: ne- Joel Schumacher. They never say
1: die. Yeah.
0: And repeat. And right. Live and Starring Ethan and
1: Ethan Hawke and Elijah Wood. Or I Ethan Supley. <laughs> if he was in The Goonies, that'd be great. <laughs>
0: was he Chunk? <laughs> he was. He <laughs> Thanks, did the Joy. truffle shuffle. Uh, so, my number four is Michelle Gondry. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind.
1: You know, I had him on my list but i did see and the science sort of, of sleep i or? did see and enjoy the science of sleep
0: i saw it it was okay it was not the critical success that eternal sunshine of the spotlight oh Mind eternal
1: was. sunshine is a, a is priceless a fantastic gem fantastic it is a masterpiece movie. a fantastic so, movie I am happy that it's on your list, but it did get. He was one of the ones that was on the fence. They got edged out for me because I just love edging, and you, I was very critical in this. List.
0: You know what? You know what other cinema classic he did as well? What was that most recently, Green Hornet?
1: Yeah. See, he did Green Hornet. He did Be <laughs> Kind Rewind. Like I liked Be Kind Rewind. That's what I'm saying. Like, but they were movies.
0: Love Be Kind Rewind. Oh, yeah, sure. I feel like the problem with him is I feel like, or I the problem with him making as good of movies as Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind is, I feel like that was kind of his magnum opus. Oh, for sure. Out of the gate. So he defined his style in that movie immediately. He defined um, kind of the story structure of what his movies would continue to kind of be in, this real like kind of offbeat indie. Right. Uh, um, very like... God, I don't even know how to describe it. Uh, very like... Nick and Nora's infinite playlist. <laughs> no, I Feeling... No, I agree with you. You know what I mean? Now, one thing that
1: I would say, at least for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and this may be, for me, where Michel Gondry fails, is he was paired up with Charlie Kaufman for that.
0: Yes. One of the greatest
1: writers of all time. Exactly. So the story is truly what's brilliant about that sure. film. Michel Gondry's visual style you matched know, you, that you can see it in the science of sleep. You can see it sort of in be kind, rewind Greenhorn is just a, you know, a summer blockbuster As a straight up studio. movie. Yeah. Um, but his visual style matches really well with the ephemeral nature of Charlie Kaufman's stories. Oh, and
0: absolutely.
1: So I think that was sort of a marriage made in heaven. I bet you he could knock it out of the gate, knock it out of the park. If he paired up with Kaufman again,
0: I would love to see them do something else together. I will not disagree with you on that. I would absolutely agree. Unfortunately, the only reason that it makes this list is because up until this point, he has not matched that True. again. True. I feel like some of his movies have aped his style. Or, I mean, not aped his style. He has aped his own style from that movie. Right. But
1: Science of sleep, for sure.
0: Yes. But none of them have coalesced the same way that 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 movie did. No, and I agree. I was, I was talking about that movie today. That movie is a perfect mixture of everything. Not just great writing from Charlie Kaufman, but you've got brilliant performances from Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet in the the lead roles. Jim Carrey at his most, at one of his most non funny roles. Right. I mean, well, this is this is a very straightforward, serious, and somewhat depressing movie.
1: Well, and that was what was kind of really interesting about it to me, because this was around the same time. When did this come out? Uh, 90,
0: no, yeah, no, it, it, it's me.
1: early two thousands, 2003, four, somewhere around there. This was sort of in the Jim Carrey era, Jim Carrey, um, where he was trying to do more serious things. You know, he had man on the moon. He had, um, the paradise or something like that. The, the one about the, oh, theater, the majestic, the majestic, um, you know, number 23, then uh, actually, some of those are relatively good, but it was around this time when I really kind of recognized Jim Carrey as a great actor. Two thousand
0: four. Hey, I was right. Yep, random right um, money. So, and that's what this was. Jim Carrey at one of his most toned down. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, there was nothing about this movie that screamed. Jim Carrey needs to be in this role. Oh, you know no, what I mean, like it was for sure.
1: I mean, it almost felt like it could have been like an Ethan Hawke
0: or totally somebody quiet like that and understated. Yep. But the movie itself is just such a beautiful story written by Charlie Kaufman in his brilliant mind. Fuck of ways. You know so what good. I mean? Um, that it worked really well with what I have come to feel is kind of the calling card of Michelle Gondry are these very dreamlike yeah. visuals, things that are very kind of ethereal and um, almost like it's almost like if monkey bone were made out of paper crafts. <laughs> yeah,
1: I would actually say that Michelle Gondry could have done a really good Vanilla Sky. Oh, we' will call back to. Yeah, to my that would have been great, too. I agree. Yeah.
0: Um, so that's why he's kind of lower on my list, right? Is because he's one of those where I feel I'm not as upset that I haven't got a follow up, right? Because that movie was so good and was so well done, right? That I applaud him on that. And if it if that is all I ever get from him, right, I'm fine with it.
1: Well, and you know, and I'm, and this is your list, and the, the the only reason I slightly disagree is I don't personally. Let me put that out okay. there, just personal. Sure. I don't necessarily consider him a one-hit wonder because while everything that you said about um Eternal Sunshine is incredibly accurate and right on point. Right. I liked Be Kind Rewind. Right. I thought, you know, I smiled a little bit at Green Hornet. Um and then you know the science of sleep was entertaining, and it definitely had his feel to it. Right. They're not as good, but they're not schlock either. Right. And no, so that's no, no, why, no. that's why for me he fell off this the ability to be on this list because I was like, well, he had other stuff that everyone knew about and w- weren't terrible. So, right.
0: No, I I agree with that, but like but I you're said, right. I don't feel like it's enough to warrant right. him saying that he he has not had more than one hit.
1: That's true. Now speaking of Charlie Kaufman. Had he not made Anomalisa last year, or in, had it be one of the best movies ever, he would be a candidate for this list, because his only one was Synecdoche, New York before that. Yeah. And that's fucking
0: fantastic. Yes. And oh, so, I agree.
1: But now he has two, so he's not... So I mean, he can't be it. He he's can, not eligible. He
0: is forever banished from our list. Banished! Charlie Kaufman, unless you want to be
1: interviewed, which you totally could be interviewed. Yeah, totally. Us. Call us up. Just please.
0: Please call us. Up. Um... But yeah, so that's that's my number five and four. All right. Well, I'll go through my five and four. You can remind us
1: of yours, and do then we'll, uh, we'll take a quick break. Um, my number five was Tom Hanks uh, for his movie That Thing You Do! Exclamation point. And my number four was Paul Brickman for his movie Risky Business.
0: Nice. My number five was Tom Hanks for That Thing You Do as well. And my number four was Michelle Gondry for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I love it. Do you think Tom Hanks should do a follow-up, That Thing You're Still Doing? Oh, shit! Like, it could go into territory of, like, I still know what you did last exactly. summer. Exactly. I will continue to do that thing yeah. that you do. Still doing that thing you do. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Let's just continue to come up with these titles while everybody else listens to this. All right. Listen to this, guys. We're going to make up puns. You Critics have a thing for that thing you do. That is a very... Display. It's an absolute blast. Definitely the thing you should do. that thing you do. Written and directed by Tom Hanks. Friday, only in theaters. So your folks are going out of town.
1: Just use your best judgment. You know we trust you.
0: you got the place all to yourself. <laughs> A good time, show. In the privacy of your own home. Just take those old records off Michelle. That's her. She's fantastic. Yeah. I said listen to them by myself. Did you have a good time last night? <laughs> I had a great time. Today's music ain't got the same song. You ever get high, Joe? Don't let me do anything stupid. Don't worry. I like that old time of rock and roll. Who's the U-boat commander? Don't try to take me to a disco. I don't remember giving permission for a party, Joe. A party? I've got a trig midterm tomorrow, and I'm being chased by Guido, the killer pimp. Doesn't anyone want to accomplish anything, or do we just want to make money? Make money. Make a lot of money. There's a time for playing it safe. And a time for risky business. Uh, there's that thing you did. Or uh, how do you do that thing you do.
1: Um, that thing you, you're you still... No, nah, I already said you're still doing I'm out. I got none more. Uh, we came up with a lot, though. How do
0: you do-do. That thing you do-do. That thing you do-do. That thing you do-do. Do-do-do. are professionals. Right? Yeah. It's like, Cause, it's cause like, it's like poop. poop. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, uh. All right. Well, my number three. Yeah. Uh, speaking of number three, that's a shart. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought that was uh, Liv Tyler. Oh, snap. <laughs> She's back. a pile of cum. <laughs> <laughs> Liv Tyler, colon, pile of cum. <laughs> that's her formal name. <laughs> That's, oh. her, that's her Christ name. We're
1: so mean to Liv Tyler, and yet she has done nothing She's for this show—nothing but provide, which us is why we're so mean. With
0: years of entertainment and piles and piles of cuff. I mean, that woman had let Ben Affleck put an animal cracker in her belly button in the
1: in the famous movie Armageddon. <laughs>
0: She didn't want to close her eyes out of fear that she might get jizz in them. <laughs> That's everyone else. Oh, shit. When she's
1: crying about Bruce Willis sacrificing himself at the end. Right. Oh, the,
0: spoiler alert. The other famous Steve Zahn movie. Spo- spoiler alert <laughs> twice. Oh, okay. He's a hidden gem in that movie. <laughs> um, all right. So back to our list of one hit wonder directors. Yes. And, Jay, I believe it is time for your number three. My number three. So my number
1: three uh, directed one of my favorite movies ever. Ooh. Um, and then had a huge falling out with the studio, and then spent decades in obscurity. What? So my number three is Tony K. Tony K? And his movie...
0: American History X. American History X, Tony mm. K. That's weird, because that's also my number three. Is it really? It is. <laughs> High five Come five. on. That's twice that we've fucking done that in like, this episode. I mean. And this is a weirder one, because this is like we're matching 5 three. We're matching the odd ones. Right. Yeah. What's up with that? And Tony Does that K. Mean, <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. Does that mean we're going to have a number one match? We might
1: have a number one match. Fuck. I hope so. Um, speaking of odd ones, Tony K is a weird, weird he is dude.
0: A- He's a weird fella.
1: Yeah, have you ever have you you've seen? A I picture mean, I don't know.
0: When I hung out with him, let me tell you what <laughs> that guy—he looks like an angry homeless man. You know, he looks like uh, the guy that wrote Watchmen. <laughs> <laughs> Roger Moore? Yeah, he looks like Roger Moore. <laughs> a skinny. He looks like a crackhead Roger he Moore. He looks like a crack.
1: He does look like a crackhead Roger Moore, or the Trash Can Man from the Stand TV right. series. Let's just keep
0: making comparisons to what he looks like. <laughs> um, he looks like if you put a be- a fake Santa Claus beard on Mister Burns from The <laughs> <episode>. Simpsons. <laughs> he looks like if the Lawnmower Man were homeless. <laughs> he looks like the movie Thinner. <laughs> <laughs>
1: He looks like Chris Ellis in anything.
0: <laughs> he looks like Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. <laughs> he looks Got like, raped by a homeless man. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't done. <laughs>
1: he looks like Jack Skellington hadn't shaved in a while. <laughs> he looks like
0: Jack Skellington before he died. <laughs> uh, he, he, he looks like Tim Burton had a really bad day. Oh, <laughs> He looks like Tim Burton and the lead singer of Silver Chair had a baby.
1: <laughs> he looks like the whole band saliva. <laughs> <laughs> He just looks like saliva.
0: <laughs> so, not Tony, even the
1: band. Tony K, colon, pile of saliva. <laughs> saliva pile.
0: That was one of the most things I think, or the most fun things that I think we've ever done. It's a good thing no one's listened to this episode. Nope. <laughs> Especially Tony K, because he'd be real upset.
1: <laughs> and he gets upset hard. Did you read about, like, I know it's sort of film lore, Hollywood lore at this point, but did you read about his? Feud with New Line Cinema over this movie?
0: Um, I haven't. Why don't you? Why don't you fill me in?
1: So. Not, not only this, was this movie extremely well received, I mean, nominated for an Oscar for Best Actor for Edward Norton, who is fantastic in the movie, um, you know, 96% user score on Rotten Topano, Tomatoes, <laughs> Topangos, Topangos, t- t- <laughs> Topangos, t- <laughs> <Topangas. laughs> <On> Rotten Topangos, <laughs> Rotten Topangos,
0: that's <laughs> just a Boy Meets World ranking system for all the episodes, Rotten Topangos, yeah, I think that should be our new rating system. I give it three out of four Rotten Topangos. That's our record label. (laughs) Coming soon from Rotten Topangos. New records.
1: Yeah. Tub thumping. All right. Um, (laughs) The sequel. (laughs) Still still, tub thumping. Still thumping. (laughs) Um, uh, Anyway. (laughs) He looks like... No. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, But no, Kay got really upset because he finished the the movie on time and under budget and delivered them the cut that he wanted. Which,
0: let's be honest... For any movie that is pretty much a a non thing that doesn't happen, right? Usually, movies either go way over budget, or at least at the very least, never on time, right? So, so it
1: was unheard for of. A
0: director to do that is solid, and
1: he delivered it the way that he wanted. It was basically the director's cut, but New Line Cinema had a lot of problems with it that it really haven't been public, re- publicly released. But they wanted him to change aspects of the movie around. And he refused to do that. So they got into a huge feud and he took out $100,000 worth of advertising in like the New York Times and all these industry journals and wrote letters as ads lambasting New Line Cinema for their poor taste and terrible judgment, lambasting Edward Norton for wanting recuts of certain scenes and basically made their feud extremely public. And they said, well, you can have the time that you need to re to redo the scenes that we want you to redo. And he said, okay, well, if that's the case, it's going to take me another year to make it. I'm going to remake the entire film and I'm going to go down to the Bahamas and have like a, a theoretical <laughs> poet write the script. And they're like, well, no, don't do that. And he's like, well then take my name off of it and put directed by Humpty Dumpty. And they're like, we're not going to do that either. We're just going <laughs> to release the movie how we want to release it. And then he just like drew no one would work with him in Hollywood
0: after that. I mean, I wonder why. <laughs> he yeah. sounds like a pretty straightforward f- I mean, I admire his tenacity. Right. And basically giving a big fuck you to the system. But overall, I mean, that's not a real good way to make friends. No. That's a way to lose friends and alienate people to reference a movie that nobody's ever <laughs> seen.
1: <laughs> Based off a book no one's read. Um, but the interesting thing is he still continued to work as a director Um, You know, obviously this movie is about neo-Nazis and racism, which is a very popular, um, non-flameworthy topic. His (laughs) follow-up film was called Lake of Fire and it was about abortion. So you can see kind of the veins that he likes to do for these movies. But Lake of Fire took him 18 years to finish. He basically strung the production studio along. He followed that up with a movie called Blackwater Transit starring Forrest Whitaker. Have you ever heard of it? Uh, nope Exactly Because it never got finished Because the production company Went bankrupt While trying to fund it <laughs> So this guy Has basically Been all over the map I think the closest thing You could say To a follow up Hit or movie Was an Adrian Brody film Called Detachment Like Seven or eight years ago Has anybody seen it? It's not good And oh, okay. no No one saw it It was a terrible flop So To have American History X Be this Amazingly poignant, violent, heart wrenching film. Uh, speaking of Ethan Suplee, our favorite, he is in this movie as well. Not funny, not in like not heartening at all. Very scary. Um, <laughs> and then it is a very intense yeah. movie. And then
0: oh my god, like the the curb stomping scene. I will. Forever have that etched in my head. That is one of the most skin crawlingly intense and disturbing scenes. Even watching that scene now, right? That I've seen the movie a handful of times, I know what's gonna happen, and it still gives me such anxiety, right? Just the concept of biting the curb and then somebody <laughs> kicking you in the back of the it's- head. It's, like, the worst thing I can imagine. It, it literally is. I'm just, like, that is that is up there with me with, like, in movies with the torture where they, like, jam shit under your oh, fingernails.
1: Yeah. Like, it's, like, medieval-level torture. Yeah. I mean, um, it's
0: so fucked. But it's,
1: from what I can tell, it's basically instant death. So, at least it's not elongated. Um, it's just... But it's... I mean, and the thing about it is that movie, well, at least that scene... Is it incredibly violent? Which makes no like. Is it incredibly gory? Let me no, put it that no, no, way. no. It's not. You know, even as much as we've described what it is, because and I don't know whether to chalk it up to K or his editor, because the way that those scenes are cut, like how close the foot gets to his head, the sounds, and where it's cut, makes you feel like you see it when you totally do not. It's
0: the concept that yes. is violent. You know what I mean? Oh, it's so. Oh. And it's and it is. It's one of those stomach churning kind of like. Sickening scenes. It is one of the most intense yeah. and violent scenes in cinema history. You want to know another X. thing about this movie, cinema history
1: X, that still, like, is something that has been cemented and burned into my brain because of this movie and has no reason to. Feruzia Balk. No, but I mean, yeah, I get it. Um, Edward long, <laughs> No, the the dad from Boy Meets World uh-huh. is in the movie. And he's Edward Norton and Edward Furlong's racist father. In all oh, the yeah. Flashback. Yeah, yeah. And he is so racist and he's cursing and saying so many terrible things.
0: I'm just like, Mr. Matthews, no. Like, you can't unsee <laughs> I can't that? It taints unsee it, it so
1: bad. Like, because every time I go back to Boy Meets World, I'm like, he's like two seconds away from throwing the N word out there. <laughs> it's just because I even think. He worked. No, he was an army man and that, a police officer in that one. I was thinking he also ran a grocery store, but I'm thinking of the grocery store right, scene. Right, right. Anyway, but yeah, to have that movie and be as timely, as poignant, as violent with, and have the ending that it did, which the ending still to this day haunts me. Oh, for sure. And to never really follow that up with anything of note. Is very disheartening. And he's three on my list because I'm just upset that I don't have more from him. Oh, agreed. Um, For people who haven't seen it, uh, if you have not seen it and you don't want the ending spoiled, we're going to talk about it because you can't not. Sure. Um, So I would say skip ahead about a minute and a half if you don't want to know the ending. But I still... It's like the end of Requiem for a Dream. Like Uh It just haunts me when I watch it or think about it. Lay it out. Just... When Edward Furlong, after everything he goes through in the movie, after everything Edward Norton goes through in the movie, the Edward brothers, um, for him to finally turn around, have a change of heart, become like a strident good person to be murdered by that kid in the bathroom with the essay for like racial peace in his hand because of shit that happened way earlier in the film. And then Edward Norton's just holding him. is. I, I can't. I hate and I love the end of that movie. It's
0: because it is it is literally one of the most bleak endings. Because there is no redemption. Like I mean there is redemption for the character, right? But the world that it exists in yeah. has there's no redeeming quality. I mean, it's not like, for Edward Norton. It's for sure. Exactly. It's like or Edward Furlong. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those things where it's just like no matter It doesn't matter if you change your mindset. The world hasn't changed its mindset. You know what I mean? And so it doesn't matter if you decide to become a good person. The world is still going to fuck you. And the
1: idea that
0: sometimes things you do
1: have irreversible consequences, no matter what happens to you in between.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Just that idea of sometimes you make choices that are so bad, there's going to be a fallout no matter how sorry you are. And it's just oh, heart wrenching. So I I talked a lot about that, but I mean, like, what do you want to add about that movie? Because you're number three as well.
0: Yeah. Um. Basically, once again, all the bullet points that we've touched on. Um. But I would say also, you know, to add to it. So, um, this is one of those movies. Once again, and this is kind of why it ended up on my list. I'm fine with this being the 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 Tony K movie that I get. Right. Um. I don't know that I want to see more output <laughs> from a director with that kind of vision. Right. You know what I mean? Like, Right. Like you, I know you mentioned offhandedly Requiem for a Dream, and I've said I've seen this movie a handful of times. Most of the time when I've seen this movie, it has been with other people, me introducing them to this movie. Me too. This is not a movie that I would ever... Just go, yeah, you know what? I'm in the mood to see American History X. This is a movie where I've been speaking with somebody, and I'm like, have you seen American History X? And they're like, no. And I'm like, fuck. Like, we're watching this. We've got to watch this, and then we're going to talk about it. I do that with Requiem of Her Dreams. I do, to too, people. because that's not – that. once again, <laughs> that I think um, there was that list that was floating around a year or two back, and it might have been a BuzzFeed thing, but um, that was like the top ten most – one-time watchable movies, or right. like the best, see it once right. movies. And this is on there for me. Like yeah. I feel like you really only need to see this movie one time. It's, it's kind of like all of Lars von Trier's movies. Yes. Or
1: um, or oh, I forget the name of the director, but the guy who did Funny Games.
0: Oh like, yes,
1: you need to watch Funny Games if you're a fan of films. Sure but you you can only watch it like once. Yes. <laughs> like you that's not enough. You know, not only want, you
0: only can. Like your mind won't let you watch it twice. Right. And so for me, once again, kind of like Michelle Gondry, I feel like I've seen what this director has to offer. It was really good. But I'm fine with it being yeah. like I'm not going to I'm not wallowing in the fact right. that I'm like never going to get, you know, a Tony K retrospective that's just yeah. like mind-blowing.
1: It's like when you go to a restaurant and you have, like, the one plate that they're known for and it's super good. The rest of their menu may be kind of shitty, but if you never go back to that restaurant, that place will always be really good in your mind. Exactly. if you keep going back and you get everything else on the menu and it tastes like dog food, then eventually that's going to eke into that memory of the first dish.
0: Exactly. And the closer we get to number one, and you're going to see why. The reason that the next couple directors on my list are higher mm-hmm. is because they are ones that I was like, fuck, I would have really liked to play in these universes right. that these guys create a little bit more, or I got to play in it a little bit more, and it really fucking upset me. Like Duncan Jones? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um,. Although I still feel like Duncan Jones got some more good in him. Oh, I definitely believe it. I mean, and Source Code is not terrible. Source Code is a pretty good movie. Yeah, Warcraft though. <laughs> but then once again, I mean, see that's what happens to a lot of Studio. directors. They the fucking studios, you know, pick them. Um, I've heard. I don't know if you've seen much about it, but um, what the fuck is the name of the director who did Safety Not Guaranteed? Oh, um, that's not Trevorrow, is it? Uh, Colin Trevor. Yeah, Colin Trevor. Yeah, who did Jurassic World. Oh, you're talking about the Book of Henry stuff. I've heard that that movie is garbage. And
1: the trailer looks so good. We uh, shared it on our website. Yeah.
0: But I've heard yes. the reviews for that have been scathing. I've
1: read the reviews because they're incredibly entertaining for just how unhinged the critics are they after really watching are. it. Like they're, critics have become like...
0: Angry at this movie. It's
1: it's the worst reviewed movie that I've seen this year. And what's weird is 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 that Power Rangers
0: came out this year. I know, and that was and Monster Trucks. That was really great. Um, according to Birth Movies Death. Hell,
1: Monster Trucks is Monster Trucks is getting much better
0: reviews. Totally. But Colin Trevorrow is one of those where like his you know and and I guess technically he could have been on my list or I would have liked to put him on my list because. While I thought Jurassic World was a serviceable movie, yeah, it's fun. I would not say that it was a great movie, although it was a financial huge yeah. success. Honestly, I, I like that one. I know a lot of people
1: have problems with it, and I actually am a Jurassic Park kind of quote-unquote purist, but I think of the sequels that exist for Jurassic Park, it's the second best. Okay,
0: but the problem is I am of the ilk that I loved Jurassic World. I mean, excuse me, I loved The Lost World. Really? I loved that That's movie. surprising.
1: I That movie's no not good. No one likes
0: that movie. That's because it's bad. I, it's not, though. It's bad. It's really not. It's, three is bad.
1: Three is awful, and I own it on DVD. Two
0: is pretty great. One is a The, the only problem that I had in two the at all. The only problem, really? The only problem was when his daughter went full gymnast. <laughs> And with, like, dusted hands and everything was, like, swinging from a...
1: Well, she grew up to be that Gabrielle girl that was in the Olympics. That's true.
0: That's 100%. That's fact. That is in canon. Don't look it up. But anyway, uh, we way digressed. Um... But but he's slated to do Star Wars. Now I'm really nervous. I am too. I am too because his like his in between Jurassic World when he's like I'm going to do a movie that I want to do. He does a fucking terrible movie that everybody's like this is fucking garbage. And they're like, oh by the way, he had like main writing credit on the new on Star Wars Episode Nine. Yeah. So it's like, oh no. Yeah, I'm not. But
1: I still trust oh, no. Jay. I trust JJ behind oh, no. the scenes. So. Yeah, for sure. But anyway. Back to- I get that, though. So like, The rest of mine, I have my top two really fall into the category for me of directed a great, amazing, perfect something, and then sort of disappeared from Hollywood. Both of them pretty much match that description. Oh, so, yes. It sounds like your top two may be different than mine. Uh, but shall we find out?
0: Yeah, let's find out.
1: Give so, me your number two. Drop a deuce on me. My number right two on my chest. <laughs> is, <laughs> what? My number two is Michael Semino. Do you know who that is? Nope. He directed The Deer Hunter.
0: That is a great movie. That
1: is one of the best movies of all time. Yeah, it, was, it, it won like every Academy Award. Well, it yes, it it won five, to be specific, including Best Picture and Best Director. Yeah. So this guy is a Wonderkind I mean, that movie is incredibly powerful. Uh, it's one of the—easily e- my favorite movie about the Vietnam War. Sure. Easily. Um, I mean, starring Robert De Niro, who everybody loves— a super young Meryl Streep and a super young Christopher Walken. Right. You watch that movie now, you barely recognize Christopher Walken, especially near the end when he's like heroin crazy, which is crazy because he's, he's and he and he doesn't even talk like that. Like no. his the Christopher Walken aesthetic hadn't even been created for this film. Sure. But he
0: his, was all like, "Hi, I'm Christopher
1: yeah, Walken." His scenes, especially the Russian roulette scenes are some of the most beautifully intense scenes filmed ever. Um, And so he directed that basically off of a short that he had done with Clint Eastwood. Um, I forget what it was called. No one really remembers it. But (laughs) Clint Eastwood liked him, introduced him to the studio, and they got him to do Deer Hunter. Yes. Um, He followed up Deer Hunter with a movie called Heaven's Gate Starring, not about the cult, but starring Chris Christopherson, Jeff Bridges, John Hurt, and Christopher Walken. And it was an utter disaster. Really? People hated the movie. Critics panned it. No one went to see it. It lost a shit ton of money for the studio. And he never regained his footing after that. I think he directed like one or two more things and then just left Hollywood. And to have a movie like The Deer Hunter... And then to never, even even a modicum, be able to follow it up, it skyrocketed him to the top of my list, or near the top of my list. Sure. Because it's hard. If you haven't seen The Deer Hunter, and it can be kind of a slog to get through sometimes because it's really long, but it's so good. And you can tell that he's a good director and he's getting great performances out of actors. And I can't believe he's never... I want more poignant war human stories from this guy or I wanted them and just never got them.
0: Sure. So that's upsetting. I don't really know much about this movie, so I don't really have a lot to offer. I've seen the movie. Um, I don't really know much about the behind the scenes. I, while I enjoy the movie, it's not, you know me. You tend to be more about the classics. I'm more about that Michael Bay aesthetic. You know what I'm saying, dog?
1: <laughs> Summer blockbuster.
0: Boom, boom, motherfucker.
1: But I just, no, seriously. Yeah. I,
0: I I can't speak on this movie very much. So, um, I mean, I remember it being a good movie. I have no idea who that director is, which definitely speaks to right. his placement on your list. Um, but I think there is something to be discussed and said about that overnight stardom. Um. And I think that's going to be a really good segue to my number two, but I'm not going to go there yet. But Do you want my... I mean,
1: you want to do it? You can do your
0: number two, and then we'll do our number one. Can once. we do it weird like that? Yeah, why not? It's our show. All right. I'll ask the producers. <sighs> hey. Yeah, we're good. All right, good. Survey says my number two is Troy Duffy. Okay. Director of Boondock Saints. Oh, okay. Now, his success was so overnight there's actually a documentary about him nice called overnight which i highly recommend everybody check out this dude went from a fucking bartender in hollywood to having one of the most anticipated movies picked up by miramax by the weinsteins um, who were like critically known at the time for snapping up all those cutting edge directors, your Tarantinos, your Kevin Smiths right. Um, Troy Duffy was on the path to having a knockdown dragout killer career, right and he exploded. He self right. ex- <clears throat> self-combusted.
1: I'll spoiler alert. He's not on my list, okay. And I am actually kind of upset about that because it is such a good choice. That's a fantastic choice, dude.
0: Thank you. Boondock Saints was awesome. Yeah, for what you know, a lot of people have gone back and been like, "Well, it's not as good as I remember it being." It's it's an amazing technical feat. And because not only did he direct it, but he wrote it. Right. And it was the, it was his writing debut and his directorial debut and has one of my favorite, uh, um, Willem Dafoe performances. Ever.
1: I don't know. Willem Dafoe. He's, I, I think there's some, uh, in wild at heart from David Lynch might be my favorite. From that's, him.
0: I, no, that's why I said one. Yeah, of. He's, he's got so many great ones. Shadow of the vampire. <sighs> that's a very underrated movie. It is.
1: It really is. Um, but, I still, to this day, do not
0: know how they filmed them shooting that cat. I am convinced it was a real cat. That scene fucking gets... I remember watching that movie for the first time, and when he fucking slams the gun on the table, and it goes off and fucking shoots the cat, and you just see it like like splatter on the wall.
1: It's... I've... I've gone scene by scene to see if I can see where they edit in a different take. Like if Stormair moves. Like, So do you think have, they shot a cat? <laughs> I, I don't know how else that scene happened. Because it's definitely a real cat the rest of that scene. For sure. And I cannot find a cut. It's I'm, just splattered on the wall. I, I got so far as to watch the end credits all the way to the end to see if they had the note no, <laughs> no like, animals were harmed. I don't remember it I don't, being there. I don't think
0: they did. Yeah. So they're like, an animal was definitely very badly harmed in this. I, yeah. But it, I mean, it had, I mean, look at just the pedigree of the people who are involved. Willem Dafoe, you had a early Norman Reedus, pre-Walking Dead, pre-before him becoming like the Daryl that everyone loves.
1: As I like to say, pre-Blade
0: 2. You've got, uh, what was the other brother? Uh, Patrick Flannery, Sean Patrick Flannery, aka Powder. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't realize that Sean Patrick Flannery was Powder. I don't know if he wants you to remember that. Do you remember Powder? I do. It's not a good movie. It's not a good movie. That's what I'm saying. I don't think he wants you to remember that. Uh I think I remember him most probably from Suicide Kings.
1: Oh yeah, that's a that's a good movie. Though. I fucking love Suicide yeah, Kings. Yeah, that's a real good. I love me
0: some like early and that was also a Miramax. I love mm-hmm. me some like early 90s like Crime. Yeah. Like, gritty crime shit. Also another great turn by Christopher Walken and Dennis Leary in that movie.
1: That that one's, yes, I agree, really good. Speaking of, like, gritty crime ones that I really enjoy, L.A. Confidential is a fun film.
0: Oh, totally. <laughs> you know what's <laughs> anyway, weird? I, uh, I actually hadn't watched that movie until I saw that just the other day. Oh. I mean, not just the other day, a couple months back. It's good. Yeah, yeah I had never watched that movie. It's so fun. Um, it's so fun. Anyway. Back yeah, to, so basically, uh, Troy Troy Duffy. Um, now he did he did get to follow it up with Boondock Saints Two, All Saints Day. Also, uh, parentheses do not watch. That is a horrible movie, um,
1: <coughs> a horrible, horrible, horrible movie. Um, but you were saying like he exploded, like yeah. imploded, like how yeah, yeah. what happened?
0: So let me give you the the rundown on this.
1: So big, he's one I'm not familiar with the
0: story. Okay, I. Once again, I cannot recommend enough the documentary overnight. It is literally just follows his rise to fame and his complete, just utter collapse. I'm going to watch it. Um, So basically, um, he wrote this movie and he is the picture example of the prima donna syndrome. Awesome. His movie blew up. Awesome. Awesome. He stopped returning calls from the Weinsteins. He basically said, fuck you to anybody in the Hollywood scene that was like, hey man, like, um, you know, we want to produce your next movie, but we don't want it to be this. Maybe you should go with this. He was basically like, fuck that. Fuck you. Do you know who the fuck I am? I'm fucking Troy Duffy. And the Weinsteins are like, nah. I made the Boondock Saints. (laughs) That's literally what happened to the point. Where he got blackballed from Hollywood. Yeah. So Boondock Saints 2 is is the only other movie he's done, and he self-produced that movie. I remember reading about that. He was one of the first kind of like crowdsourced films. You know what I mean? Like he literally went out to fans and were like, if you want this movie ever or another movie from me at some point... (laughs) You're going to have to pay for it because <laughs> I'm literally living in a dumpster behind this bar and I have no access to any of my connections anymore. He
1: went full Veronica Mars. Like <laughs>
0: totally.
1: It's like here, internet, give me money. Um so And uh, they did, and it was bad.
0: Yes, very much so. So he um, he basically was like signed on to do some other projects for Miramax. He basically squandered their money. Um, he has a band or had a band that he thought was going to be the next like big rock band. Just, Spoiler alert. Just
1: like how all actors and directors that have bands become super famous in the They're music industry. They're not. Just ask Russell Crowe or Billy Bob Thornton or Kiefer Sutherland or Michael Keaton.
0: Um, so what's funny is, um, like let me just give you a little tidbit of what Miramax wanted to do with this. Okay. Okay. So um, with the movie or with his career? No, with with Boondock Saints. Okay. Just a little interesting history. So originally, um, Duffy, at, to cast the Boondock Saints, uh-huh. he originally wanted Stephen Dorff and Mark Wahlberg. I can get on board with Stephen Dorff. To play the brothers. Yeah. Okay. I can get on board with Stephen Dorff. Uh, Wahlberg was offered the role and passed for Boogie Nights. Smart. Yeah. I mean, gotta, I got it to Anderson, yeah, I gotta give it to Marky Mark. and Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah,
1: I got to give it to Marky Mark. He's going to have a huge dick and he's going to work with Paul Thomas Anderson. I got
0: good things. I got good things you don't know about. I'm good. Um, I don't
1: need tattoos on my knuckles. Thanks.
0: So, uh, originally Kenneth Branagh was, uh, or Troy Duffy wanted to cast Kenneth Branagh to play, um, Willem Dafoe's gay FBI agent. Okay. Willem Dafoe would be better. Most definitely. Um, So, there was also interest for the brothers uh, for Brendan Fraser and Ewan McGregor. Fraser was riding high back then. (laughs) Yes. Um, There was also uh, Duffy reached out to Patrick Swayze to play the Willem Dafoe role. (laughs) Um, Miramax preferred Sylvester Stallone. I'm not on board with either of them. (laughs) Or Bill Murray. (laughs) Ha ha. Or Mike Myers. What? <laughs> yeah. Did they read the script? These are all like the studio actually reached out to these actors. I don't think the studio read that script. No, I don't think so either. Um, so basically, um, Duffy then, because he had zero, um, uh, he had zero like drive with this movie, um he or excuse me he had zero direction with this movie because he had never directed anything more he right. literally was a bartender right that Dude, Miramax was like I'll give you some money to make this movie and he's like fuck yeah you will <laughs> <laughs> fucking right <laughs> uh, Did you know who I am yeah. like no yeah Um. and so he actually like fucked up Miramax dropped him before the movie was released wow so they were gonna bankroll the mo- the the movie um, and because of technical difficulties, delays, stalls in casting and his constant rewrites and animal deaths, Miramax said, fuck you. And he was able to keep his 300,000 directors advance but ended up having to go out and make the movie on his own. Nice. Which is it? why he ended up with the cast that he ended up with. I mean,
1: you would think that if he could do it once, he could follow it up with the same universe and same story. But the next time he did it himself it was yeah. a disaster.
0: But you know what's funny um so this this film went to to Cannes to it was shown to and Gmail. uh just so you know as well known as this movie is <clears throat> only released in 5 theaters in the US over a period of 7 days
1: well i remember like this is a movie that I never remember
0: hearing anything about. It's just always been introduced to me by friends. Yeah, that's how I saw it. Was on DVD by friends. They were like, "Have you seen fucking Boondock Saints? Like this shit is fucking awesome." It was the first viral video. <laughs> it really was. It was just like word of mouth yeah. passed around. Like, "Have you fucking seen this shit, bro?"
1: And like not pasting it on their Facebook walls, they're just like hanging it in the dorm room. They're like, "Hey, everybody
0: should watch yeah. this." Um so anyway, that that's why he's on huh. my list. Is he literally yeah, it's like it's a good choice. He fucking did this shit, and watch the documentary, everybody. Overnight, you'll love it. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm. I've got it on my queue.
1: I was saving it as you were speaking. So I like. So I so that's
0: queue's number
1: two. I couldn't agree more. To use your phrase, I think that's a fantastic choice, and I am upset that he that I didn't remember him. Right, Balls. I think of him. So good job. Good Thanks. choice. Thanks, bud. Um. So my number one. You ready for this? Yes. This is. To me, the quintessential one hit wonder. This is a director who was an actor, a trained Shakespearean actor, um, had been in a bunch of films, directed. This is
0: not going to be. We are not having, spoiler alert, (laughs) we are not having a matching number one.
1: He directed one film and it's become a classic in cinema history and then never directed anything ever again. Okay. His name is Charles Lawton. Okay. And his movie is called The Night of the Hunter. Okay. So I don't know who he is or that movie. So let me tell you about this movie. It's got a 98, fluctuating between a 98 and a 99 on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Um, this movie came into my purview because it's one of like the top 100 scariest horror, like horror movies. Uh-huh. And because most of the time the villain is considered one of the best villains in movie history. Okay. Um so what this movie is about I'm intrigued. So what this movie is about is Robert Mitchum, the fantastic Robert Mitchum, mm-hmm. plays a like a traveling preacher. And it turns out what you learn throughout the film is that he marries widows or he marries, he gets close to a community and he marries like a rich widow or a rich single mother, and then murders them and their family, takes their inheritance, and leaves town. Okay. And so it's one of... It's 1955, but it's a serial killer movie.
0: Interesting. So, <clears throat> Wait, the, the movie was made in 1955? Yeah.
1: Okay. So it released in 1955. Wow. So probably made the year before. So this is an old one, but it it's so incredibly... I, I don't know the right word. It's it's so incredibly captivating because Robert Mitchum is fantastic in it, and his character is so evil, like pure evil. It's it's like an early Hannibal Lecter performance, you know? It's just an amazingly good job by an actor with an incredibly good character that they just dive headfirst into. Um and it and it really kind of um just stays with you. Like, this is one that, it wasn't a super success upon its release, but quickly gained steam with audiences and critics. I mean, Eger, Ebert even claimed it to have the most frightening villain of all time in cinema history. And, this will be fun for you to know, it's uh, John John Krufulski, the, the Ren and Snippy guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's his favorite movie of all time.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: So, so it was... It was one of those films, and it wasn't really a huge success when it came out, because one of the things that Lawton did was he filmed it in uh, a style called German Expressionism. And it was very heavily filmed in that style. So it's like long, menacing shadows, weird angles, and focuses on the camera. A lot of pointed buildings. Like um, The the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, yeah. one of the first horror films, is German Expressionism. Okay. Um, also The Metropolis, Okay. that really famous film. Those are both... Good examples of German expressionism American audiences weren't really that Familiar with it so for him to Film it in that style it didn't really connect With people but the villain Was so good and the movie is so Harrowing that It just catapulted It's, it's won a bunch of awards It's listed on AFI's top like 100 movies of all time um, And I, I've already Mentioned some other list that the villain is on um, So for me Charles Lawton is the quintessential one-hit wonder director because he literally directed one film, it was a masterpiece, and then he
0: disappeared. Interesting.
1: Yeah, and I highly recommend this movie. Like, I'm going to watch it. It, it, it is sounds fascinating. Incredibly fascinating. And you'll just be blown away by the actors in it. All right. It's I'm like Orson Welles level good, in my opinion.
0: Interesting. Well, you've sold so. me. I find it uh, very apropos. <laughs> That uh, your number one be some sort of like highfalutin, fancy AFI top 100. I mean, it is, but it's a fantastic movie. You know, it'd be like if we were doing a top. I'm surprised it wasn't
1: Citizen Kane. Well, that movie's not a one hit wonder. Orson Welles directed a lot of good stuff. Yeah. So, anyway. But it'd be like if we were doing.
0: (laughs) That was the most (laughs) dismissive. So, anyway, (laughs) stupid. Quit being dumb. I hate having to carry you on this show. I'm gaining my
1: momentum back from all my
0: Steve <laughs> Zahn jokes at
1: the beginning. Um, so, uh, you know, his next follow up movie starred Steve Zahn, actually, playing Sean William Scott. Um,
0: <laughs> In also The Goon, the yeah. goon 2. The Goon. <laughs> but C O O.
1: American Goon, you do. <laughs> so, anyway, um, that's why it's my number one. And. You know me, I love horror movies, and this is a very highly acclaimed horror movie. I'm definitely
0: going to see it. For sure.
1: So that makes sense, man. Yeah.
0: Solid number one. So yep. roll back through your list.
1: Yeah. Okay, so my five, uh, is number five was Tom Hanks for That Thing You Do. Nice. Number four was Paul Brickman for Risky Business. Solid. Number three was Tony Kay for American History X. Nice. Uh, number two was Michael Semino from The Deer Hunter. And then my number one is Charles Lawton for his film The Night of the Hunter.
0: Fantabulous. But-
1: you have already spoiled that we do not share the same number we one. We do not. So I desperately want to know what your number one is.
0: You are desperately seeking Susan.
1: Is that it? Is the director of desperately no. seeking? Susan? No, it's
0: <laughs> not. Uh, my number one. And I'm gonna. I'm gonna go ahead and just put this out there before I reveal who it is. This number one is my number one because this is a director who I loved his first movie so much, and I have been thoroughly disappointed. That I haven't gotten more and better quality output from this director. This director, can I guess? Yeah, sure. Go ahead for it.
1: Uh, unless you want to do more intro. No, no, no. That's it. Is it Richard Kelly?
0: It is fucking Richard Kelly. Up top.
1: I know you. I know you well. He is on. He
0: is the top of my honorable mentions list. Richard Motherfucking <laughs> Kelly. I love time travel and I love alternate dimensions. I love weird shit and Donnie Darko for me is one of the, is one of my all-time favorite movies um and it was so well done so well acted so odd so interesting but
1: i have like three versions of that on dvd and blu-ray because yeah, i love this movie so
0: much that's that's one of the problems a not only was he not satisfied in making a decent follow-up film, but then he went back and kind of bastardized his own movie and continued to make what he called the director's cut, which actually is kind of a shittier version right. of Donnie Darko. It is. I never watched the director's cut. Yeah. I watched it once, and then I just watched the theatrical release. Right. And it's like, I don't... <clears throat> okay, so then it started to make me wonder, like, maybe he just wasn't a good director. Like, maybe he he got lucky. But I followed so fervently his – when it was announced that he was going to do Southland Tales. Right. And they were, like, ramping up for it to be such a huge, like, sci-fi epic. They were like, oh, it's going to be, like, we're going to have a comic book, f- you know, tie-in series. It's going to lead up to it. It's going to be a trilogy of films. And it's going to be about, like, alternate dimensions and all these things." And I'm like, oh, sci-fi nerd boner. Like, this is going <laughs> to be fucking amazing. And then it was garbage. I don't know if you've seen Southland Tales. That movie is damn near unwatchable.
1: You know, I thought I had. I was very familiar with the other films that he made, and I, I think I was thinking it was something else because this movie
0: is bad.
1: Like, I think for some reason I have Southland Tales and Copland mushed together, together in my mind. Interesting. For some, because I thought Southland Tales was a police story. Sure. Kind of like a, uh, like a. Um, uh training day esque movie Oh yeah
0: yeah totally I get that
1: yeah but anyway I you know I agree with your choice one hundred percent. Um the reason and this is where like I said I was very critical of this was because Southland Tail and the box were well publicized, well known about, well followed up and while Southland Tales to your point is unwatchable, the box was not well received. Was not super well received, but he wasn't like thrown out of blacklisted from Hollywood for it. It no. wasn't it wasn't the Boondock Saints too. No, you're right. But you're right. So it wasn't but when is <clears throat>
0: what movie did he get to follow that up with?
1: I don't I don't remember what came after the box.
0: Nothing. Oh yeah, I was about to say. I don't think because anything, I don't think It has. wasn't good enough to right. warrant him continuing. To I mean, run. and that's
1: true, but that's the only reason. I Also, didn't have one wo- the I, only
0: redeeming, the only redeeming thing from the box is that it was based off of fucking Twilight Zone.
1: Yeah, it's true. Um, it, it's interesting. Um,
0: so, but like, Loja does pretty good. Back yeah, of course. But um, I mean, it's fucking Skeletor. So, uh, but to go back to. Um, Donnie Darko, what what launched him to superstardom? Once again, this was one of those movies. It was a sleeper hit. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not like some huge like financial success for the studio, right? Um, it was one of those that um, didn't really have a great theatrical run. Got played in, I want to say like a midnight movie. And got started circulating in New York, I think, is where it started. And people started catching it on. and became an underground cult hit. This was one I always heard people talk about, but I first
1: saw it, I think, on television. Really? And then then I liked it so much what I saw on TV that I went out and
0: bought the DVD and have watched it a million times. This is one of those, for me, kind of like Troy Duffy and Boondock Saints, this was given to me by a friend. So a friend was like, hey, man, have you seen Donnie Darko? And I was like, I don't even know what that is. And he was like, "Here, borrow my DVD. Check this out. It's gonna fucking blow your mind." And sure Blockbuster fuck, and get it. It did. Yeah, like it legit blew my mind. First off, this is the first thing that I remember seeing Jake Gyllenhaal in. I yeah, for me too. Same. And he was awesome. I you know I hear people talk that his
1: performance isn't good, and I will defend that one for oh, whatever totally. reason. I don't know why. I don't know why people disagree with it because yes, it's understated, but the character is depressed and right, like depending clini- on like clinically yeah, depressed and depending on how you translate the film which i want i want to know your translation okay. um it it miraculously fits sure so what do you, what do you think donnie darko is like what's your story
0: oh like th- you mean overall
1: yeah like i know cuz richard kelly won't say what it's technically about sure like what it means and what actually happens he wants people to come up with their own interpretations so what's your interpretation of the end
0: Of the jet falling on, of him basically like going, choosing to go back to the zero hour, right, and have the jet fall on him, like willingly Uh, have the jet fall on him and and kill him. Yeah, Uh, that that's how you interpret it. Yes, I well because there's a look on his face when he like lays back down and right before the the jet engine comes crashing through the ceiling and just smushes him all sorts of dead. Right that makes me feel like this was a conscious choice. Like he is fixing yeah. what could have gone wrong with the death of Frank and, yeah. and every, and kind of the, I think he felt his character goes on this journey of realizing that it's his, his living that kind of f- like fucks everyone else. Yeah. Like it fucks the whole town basically. Um, and so I think it's kind of a, and to, to reference a shittier yet still enjoyable movie, it's a very butterfly effect kind of ending, where it's like. So I was thinking, butterfly effect two, where it's but not butterfly effect two, no, which is a terrible. <laughs> like movie. Or three, right? Um, but it's kind of butterfly effect where it's like you're given the characters yeah. given a choice of like, do I sacrifice myself for the greater good kind of situation, right. and um.
1: To quote Spock, sometimes the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Oh, God. it has got a, such a huge boner for you just now. <laughs> well, uh, see, and I'm actually— That's in, how I interpret yeah. it. I'm actually in the same boat, but I'd like to add a little bit of flair to it. Okay. Of a way that I like to think about it. All right. Is I think Jake Gyllenhaal was somehow sending his conscience into the future, which is why he plays it so subdued because he's still sort of knows he's back in the bed somehow. Okay. And like somewhere back in his mind. So so, he's like
0: astral projecting into the future. Yeah. Seeing what could happen.
1: Yeah, which is why he plays it so straight, so so subdued. So distant. Because he's kind of a time – he's like a traveler. He's like a tourist in that reality, and he's seeing how things are playing out until he gets like heavily invested in it, and then it shoots him back and he makes the decision to basically sacrifice himself. I actually – I heard someone give a talk on this movie about how his character is technically a Christ figure in films, like Simon Birch would be a, a Christ figure. He's oh sac- yeah, totally. Sacrifice yourself to save others for the good of mankind, et cetera, et cetera. I've heard, I, saw, I heard someone give a fantastic talk about how Jake Gyllenhaal's character Donnie Darko is a Christ figure in cinematic storytelling. And it was really interesting. I can totally get behind
0: that. I mean, I do feel like I said, that was my interpretation of the film. My interpretation was that we have, we have a very similar was that he made a conscious choice to sacrifice himself to stop the timeline that would have happened. Had he not.
1: Right. I love it. Yeah. That's he, like I said, top honorable mention mainly because I was just trying to be super critical on one, like, he had other movies and for whatever reason that made me kick him out but i am glad that he is right. there cuz to your point he had one hit sure and then he imploded
0: you're right and that's and that's what happened <laughs> and the weird thing is like i said i'm 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 sad because and you know he and troy duffy are top on my list because i felt after watching both of their first movies i felt so deeply i was like this is going to be a director that i'm going to love yep. This is somebody whose stories I am going to fall in love with. I thought I was discovering an Edgar Wright or, you know, someone who I was just like, I'm going to connect with everything they do from here on out. This is going to be one of my new favorite directors. Yeah. And it just wasn't. So those two are so high on my list because it was so like unlike some of the others on the list where I'm like, I got one movie from them and I'm okay. I was so shattered that I didn't get to play in their mind sandboxes anymore or. That they disappointed me with such shitty output afterwards. That I'm like, was it a fucking mistake? Like, were both of you literally just captured yeah. accidental lightning in a bottle? Yeah. And like, you did, it wasn't your skill that made this movie happen. It was just like the universe aligned. Yeah. and was like, here is a gift unto you. <laughs> kind of like Tom Hanks. Yeah, and then <laughs> after at the end, they were like, the universe was like. Never you have mind. squandered my gift, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and he I takes take it back. back. Takesies, like, backies. He, like, snatched it out of Troy Duffy and put it in Richard <laughs> Kelly. Like, like, I feel like that's what happened. <laughs> like, they're cursed.
1: It's, yeah. like, it's like some gypsy went up to them and, like, Thin movie. Thinner, thinner, <laughs> shitty. Tony <laughs> K. <laughs> and he's like, I don't know what's happening. I just keep making movies and they're
0: shittier and shittier and shittier. No. Did you kill a gypsy? I did. Did you fucking bake it into a pie and make them eat that blood pie? <laughs> That's a weird movie, by the way. Thinner. Yeah, that's a fucking good old Stephen movie. King. Um, so yeah, man. So that's my list. I love it. Run me back through your five because we sort of went uh, in right. a weird order. Today. So yeah, we did. So my number five was Tom Hanks and that thing you you do do. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, my number four. Oh, I gotta pull up my list here. My shit. Not my shit. Uh, my number four was Michelle Gondry. Enter, eternal sunshine of internal <laughs> internal sunshine burns the flesh of oh, the <laughs> spitless <laughs> mind. Uh, my number uh, three was Tony K, American History X. My number two was Troy Duffy, Boondock Saints, and my number one was Richard Kelly in Donnie Darko.
1: I like it. You know, two more that we didn't name that I just wanted to throw out there because they were be? on my list. One is Brian Bertino, ah. directed yeah, the Strangers. The Strangers. I still I want him he to scare me again. He did two other movies. He did yeah. uh,
0: it was like Mockingbird Lane.
1: And that's why he's not on my list is because he did have those things. But, what man, The Strangers was he so good. He did another
0: one that I was like, I really wanted to see it. And I don't remember what I don't it was.
1: remember. Let me look it up real quick. Brian. But the other one, while I'm looking at Brian Bertino, uh, is Bill Murray.
0: Oh. Where, where B- the Buffalo Room? No.
1: Bill Murray had did a movie called uh, Quick Change.
0: Oh, I never saw that.
1: It's think. very good. It's a comedy about like a bank robbery and he plays a bank robber. Interesting. And he directed it. He co-directed it, but he's credited it as being behind the camera and it's really the only good thing he's ever made. Interesting. Yeah. But okay, so Brian Bertino The Monster that was actually why I didn't put him on the list because we saw the monster
0: recently, and
1: it's not too terrible. The
0: monster is that the one with the the kid and the mother in are the like car? on the run in yeah. the car, and the monster attacks.
1: Yeah, I actually enjoyed that movie. Yeah, that's him. So yeah. he, the strangers, he had two good movies. Yeah, it, the monster is never going to be a hit. It definitely didn't have studio push behind it, no, 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 no. but and it, it wasn't
0: it, a like stunningly good movie, but it was a good, it was like, pretty it was good a solid flick. It's pretty, it was, it,
1: yeah. it was very enjoyable. Yeah, so. Those were two that I wanted at least to mention because they do qualify, but they're honestly too good to be on the list.
0: I think that is totally understandable. And uh, so now I think it's, what, time for the audience to go listen to some shit?
1: Yeah, uh, you guys listen to some shit, and we're going to get ready for our game. Game time. Game time and then 5x5. the streets of boston
0: this was no gangland assassination it was way too sloppy something went wrong
1: here an fbi agent is on a case
0: all the low lives in the quiet city of boston start dropping dead and you think it's unrelated they're all bad guys
1: now they're all dead bad guys
0: the victims are the mob gentlemen, it's the beginning of the first international mob war. And the hitmen think they're on a mission from God.
1: Anybody
0: you think is evil, do you think that's a
1: little weird, a little psycho? Sort of like 7-Eleven. We're not always doing business, but we're always over. That is nice and positive. Two shooters, ben, fantastic. This guy's very sharp. he hasn't figured us out yet, he will. All we know is what we found out from
0: the neighbors, and the general consensus is, they're angels. Amen.
1: In a place where the violent have the power, destroy all that which is evil, so that which is good may flourish. One lawman doesn't know whether to catch the killers. I believe what they do is necessary. Or join them. Yeah things i wish i could do these guys are doing
0: with every breath we shall hunt them down each day we will spill their blood there was a We're beak, oh. we're beak for game time.
1: Oh man, I don't know what was that. What was that accent? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not gonna yes that. We're beak for game time. <laughs> Is
0: that like a Swedish game master? Maybe a Swedish, Swedish game I'm master. Hot and Swedish. You give mm. me Swedish massage on my penis. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, but Liv Tyler will. <laughs> oh shit! She's Pilot a come. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so our game time, uh, and this is kind of a different one because I haven't even told you what we're playing yet. You haven't. All I d- all I asked you to do was write down uh, a handful of nouns, just nouns, and silly sounding words. So okay. what we're gonna do is what I call this is uh, you'll you'll like this. It's very clever. The movie name game. Okay. Mm, so what we're going to do is I have a stopwatch here. And we're going to draw a word out of this hat. Uh-huh. And then we're just going to have to fit that word into movie titles. Perfect. And we're going to do it for 30 seconds. Okay. And then
0: into as many, into movie as many titles as, as, as we, we can, can think of. Yes. Okay. dokie. So I'll pull first. Okay. The first Show word. Show me how it's done.
1: <laughs> the first word is come. Ooh. So, and I'll start the timer and then we'll just go back and forth and think of as many as we can. Okay. Um, The Dark Cum Rises.
0: <laughs> uh, Crocodile Dundee Down Cumder.
1: <laughs> uh, Diary of a Wimpy Cum. <laughs> uh, Cumster Trucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> James and the Giant Cum. Star Wars, The Cum Awakening. <laughs> Come head. <laughs> yep. Uh, that, that's that's that that's, felt good.
0: That's how the game is played. All right. So that
1: was our first word. Draw another. Right, we can play we as go. many rounds as we want. All right. Here we go.
0: All right. The next word is vagina.
1: Ooh. Okay. You start. Vagina. As soon as you say your first one, I'll start the timer.
0: All right. Go. Vaginatown. <laughs> that's a chinatown reference (laughs) passion of the vagina uh uh shit uh vagina of the dawn (laughs) (laughs) Trader.
1: mad max fury vagina uh
0: jack ryan vagina (laughs) (laughs) what is that the guy's name, Jack? The fucking top Cruise, I don't know. like shitty movies. I don't
1: know. You only have vagina once. <laughs>
0: um, vagina down, vagina.
1: Hobbit, an unexpected vagina. <laughs> uh,
0: vagina man. <laughs>
1: the hills have vaginas. All right. All
0: That's right. Awesome. Next one. Next one. All right. Uh, doop, 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 doop.
1: Snickerdoodle.
0: Ooh, like that one.
1: <clears throat> Home Alone Two: Lost in Snickerdoodle.
0: <laughs> Babies in Snickerdoodle.
1: I now pronounce you Chuck
0: and Snickerdoodle. The Rocky Snickerdoodle Picture Show. <laughs>
1: um, big trouble and little Snickerdoodle.
0: Little Snickerdoodle of Horrors.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. Transformers Two:
0: Dark Side of the Snickerdoodle, <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Snickerdoodles, <laughs> Independent Snickerdoodle, Oh uh, shit, Minion Snickerdoodle, <laughs> An Inconvenient Snickerdoodle, <laughs> I fucking love that one. Robo Snickerdoodle, <laughs> Snickerdoodle uh, Troopers. <laughs>
1: <coughs> House of Snickerdrill. <laughs> That's it. Call it. All right. Uh, oh, that one was fun. That okay, was fun. Okay. Your turn. All right. The next word is root beer. Root beer. <laughs> um.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um. A uh, war of the root beer, a league of their root beer, <laughs> <laughs> um, eternal
0: sunshine of the spotless root beer. Honey, I shrunk the root beer. <laughs> Garfield, a root beer of two kitties. <laughs> a root beer of two kitties? Yeah, <laughs> that's <was> terrible. <laughs> Le Meza <Miseres> root beer.
1: <laughs> <coughs> uh, <coughs> we sound like a couple of smokers. I <laughs> know. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Captain Root Beer, Civil War. (laughs) Uh,
0: uh, Justice League, Dawn of Root Beers. (laughs) Uh, Excuse me, that's Batman v Superman, Dawn of Root Beer. How to lose a root beer in 10 days. (laughs) How to win root beer and alienate other root beers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that was good. I'm good on that
0: one. Uh, I even forgot to start the timer. Uh, All right, (laughs) way to go. We're not even playing a game anymore, guys. We're just we're just saying things because it's fun. Oops. What else we got? Just throw away one of mine and get yours. You're a douchebag. No, yours was Jackie Chan. That's hilarious.
1: <laughs> okay, let's do Jackie Chan. Okay, let's do Jackie Chan. We're not gonna do that one.
0: Okay. Uh-huh. You start. Watership Jackie Chan. <laughs> <laughs> Um Star Trek The Voyage
1: Jackie Chan. <laughs> Jackie Chan interrupted. <laughs> Chicago.
0: <Can't. laughs> oh, nope. Chicago. <laughs> yeah. That's can't. Just the name of the movie is Chicago. <laughs> yeah, you can't change it, it's a single word. <laughs> Harold and Jackie Chan. Harold and Kumar go to Jackie Chan, you mean? Yeah. Uh <clears throat> dude where's my Jackie Chan? <laughs> I was a teenage Jackie Chan. <laughs> Uh, Damn it You fucked up my teen Jackie Chan Uh, Let's see here Um, Franken Chan (laughs) (laughs) Okay I Jackie Chan Uh, Crouching Tiger Hidden Jackie (laughs) Chan I still know what you Jackie Chan Last summer See this is fun Uh, Let's see All the Jackie Chan's men (laughs) I am Jackie Chan Citizen Chan.
1: <laughs> Jackie Chan man.
0: <laughs> Jackie Chainman. man. What the
1: fuck? <laughs> it's like it's like uh, Chan Razor. Yeah. Romeo and Jackie Chan. Nightmare on Jackie Chan Street. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie Chan in 60 seconds. Friday the Chan- <laughs> The Chan- <team. laughs> Did you just say the chan team? <laughs> <He is>. uh, <laughs> <not even> <laughs> um the Grand Budapest Jackie Chan. <laughs> Moonrise Jackie Chan. Seven
0: years in Jackie Chan. <laughs> Seven years in Jackie Chan. Oh, <laughs> uh, that one's really fucking funny. Uh
1: <clears throat> um, Jackie yep. Chan and the Half Blood Prince.
0: <laughs> I like that one too. That one actually made me cry a little bit. <laughs> uh, oh, we went for two minutes on that one. Okay. See, Jackie Chan provided <laughs> okay. more fodder than you thought. Oh, shit. <laughs> quit flinging, on quit flinging things. Chesticles. <laughs> this is our last one, so chesticles. The chesticles wears Prada. <laughs> uh, Let's see. Uh, Lost in chesticles. <laughs> chesticles of New York. Uh uh Chesticles Night. <laughs> Team America, Chesticles Police. Uh ch- chesticle shack. <laughs> <laughs> Throw chesticles from the train. <laughs> what about
1: chesticles? <laughs> Hell and high chesticles. Uh
0: let's see here. Uh yeah. Damn, I think I might have run out of them. I think,
1: I think we chesticles hood,
0: <laughs> chesticles hood. Yeah, no, <laughs> and that means we've reached the end of the game. We did go for like fifty seconds on that. That was fucking funny though. That was a fun game. <laughs> I told you that was great. That's why I kept it a secret from you. That okay. was super funny. Some secrets are good. Yeah, like the ones when you touch me in the no-no place, and we can't tell people. <laughs> right. Right. it's a game don't tell your sister okay i don't want that no i'm not like that at all (laughs) that's exactly what you said see you later masturbator (laughs) after
1: a while pedophile
0: nope nope pass nope nope. no one likes that except nope nope don't even say it i don't know what you're gonna say but don't (coughs) don't even say it all right, so <laughs> this brings us to the end of the show, except we've still got our brand new five segment, our five. second, our second time of doing five by fives. Oh yeah. And five for those of you who don't know, five by five is where we aggregate questions <laughs> culled from our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram feeds from our fans who want to know what the fuck <laughs> we <laughs> think about certain things. So this is where we get five questions pulled at random and fired directly at the high five guys. So what is our first five for five?
1: Okay, so our very first question mm-hmm. comes from Twitter mm-hmm. from the uh uh from the tweeters at the hashtag ask high five. Ooh, I like it. So <laughs> the question is mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on the pay gap between Gal Godot and Henry Cavill? That's actually a very serious question because that is something that is a big deal in Hollywood right now. That sucks.
0: <laughs> I hate serious questions.
1: So, here's here is my thought on it. You go two, ahead. You're the serious of the two of us. I have two thoughts on this. One, that question, while fantastic and poignant, is uh, it depends on which movie we're talking about. So, for instance, if we're talking about Batman v. Superman, Dawn of Justice, then the pay gap in there is... I would say possibly equitable because Henry Cavill is in the movie much more um, than Gal Gadot. But if we're talking about their solo films (laughs) like Man of Steel versus Wonder Woman, they should be equal if not not Gal Gadot get more because Wonder Woman is the – good franchise movie. It's going to be the staple of what people remember from the DCEU if they're lucky. Sure. So in that regard, she should be credited and thought of as much more valuable than Henry Cavill, in my opinion.
0: I agree with that. And I think moving (laughs) forward, if DC does the right thing, she will be. So. So that's our answer to that. That's what we think about it.
1: So the pay... That's our five cents. The pay gap is not fair when they're on equal footing. For Batman v Superman, she probably... It's fine. She
0: got less. But She's she was really not. Yeah. She, and she was kind of a non-existent factor in the movie. Unfortunately, yeah. she, you, her character could have been removed and it would have made no difference. To right. The <clears throat> so there we go. Great
1: question. Um, do you want to ask next? Or, oh, I have that pulled up. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <clears throat> our next question is from Instagram.
0: We're coughing so much at the end of this episode. It, I just want to apologize. I to think everybody. it's because we're just, we've For been laughing. Our coughs. We've
1: been laughing so hard. Um, so this, this question is, I actually like this one a lot too. This one's from our, our friend Rick Prince. Ooh. Um, but <clears throat> he asked what eighties franchise would you like to see revisited in film with uh with the Capper if done well.
0: Okay. So eighties franchise revisited.
1: So I mean we've got you know some of the bigger ones. You know, obviously Star Wars was sort of an eighties franchise. Mm-hmm. Batman started around there, the original mm-hmm. Batmans. Um Indiana Jones, <clears throat> I think for me, the one that I think has the most promise, because the only two that really haven't been touched in any way mm-hmm. um, are um, Back to the Future, which I don't think should be touched, mm-hmm. and Beverly Hills Cop, which I think can be touched and could be very good if if done well.
0: Huh. I don't really know much about Beverly Hills Cop. <clears throat> I mean you know there's Eddie Murphy vehicle. <clears throat> I mean I know what it is. I don't know that I've actually <clears throat> seen them, believe it or not. They're they're actually
1: very good, but they're sort of the the beginning of a very the popularizing of the trend of action movie oriented comedic films. Right. So it's sort of in the vein of like nowadays we get something like The Other Guys. Sure. Where it's very funny, but it's very much rooted in a violent situation okay Um, but i think like michael b jordan or you know kind of some one of the up-and-comers could really play the part well um
0: i would maybe want to see teen wolf revisited
1: that's a good one if they could do it well like i want to see like a
0: fun like comedy werewolf movie yeah I'm down with those. And totally I'm not go. talking about like the Teen Wolf MTV TV series reboot. It's right. like gritty and like drama filled. I mean like a literal like he becomes a werewolf and plays basketball. Like I wanna I <laughs> I wanna see something like you that. He gets hairy and that's why he's popular. Right. Like, I don't know. I think that could be fun if done yeah. if done well. And my other suggestion would probably be um and I know it was recently rebooted, um, but kind of unsuccessfully, Robocop. Yeah. That's why I, I still I... want to see a really Solid satirical yeah. Robocop.
1: I thought of Robocop, but because it had been rebooted, I, I didn't. That wasn't going to be my choice. Um, but yeah, I'd be down for those. Or Ghostbusters. No. It probably doesn't need to be touched.
0: I don't think so. <clears throat> All right. What's our next question? Uh, next question <clears throat> Where can I see the high five guys live?
1: Well, I know the answer to that question. Well, let's tell them.
0: That that one seems very
1: promotional and not real. (laughs) It is Um, 100% real. So uh, we actually host two events at a place, a wonderful place, called The Crying Wolf in East
0: Nashville. Yes. Um, You want to tell them about those events? I do. Our first one is the last Wednesday of every month, and that is Bill Murray Bingo. If you like Bill Murray and you like playing old folks' home-style bingo, then you're going to love Bill Murray Bingo. You come in. You drink some booze, it's a free game, you win some cool shit, and you get to see us ramble on about Bill Murray ad nauseum. So that's event number one. Event number two is brand new, and that is where we are hosting a movie screening the first Sunday of every month in the back room at the Crying Wolf. Four bucks gets you popcorn and a movie, and uh, we have a constantly rotating uh, slate of flicks so make sure you go to our website, at highfivepodcast.com Check those out or on our Facebook where you can find out what movie is playing and when. Nice. So I really appreciate the fact that people reached out and asked so that we could promote ourselves for those events. That was that was very thoughtful and forward-thinking of and them. And convenient.
1: <clears throat> okay, so, <clears throat> my goodness. Wow. Our next question mm-hmm. also comes from Twitter. Good. And the question is, is there a movie that you could that you remember as very great, but really it's only like the main actor that you think of?
0: Ooh. <clears throat>
1: so like the movie actually might be shitty, but the main actor is so good that you remember it favorably.
0: Hmm. That's a <clears throat> tough one, man. Uh... Fuck, I can't think of anything off the top of my head to be honest. That's such a weird and intricately phrased <laughs> question.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I <clears throat> I
0: would agree. I think,
1: for me, the one that comes to mind is, do you ever see that Michael Fassbender movie, Frank? Yes. Where he plays the guy with the big head?
0: Yes. I remember that That's movie. Fran- it's based off a true story, Frank Sidebottom. Right. But, I mean, the movie itself. Yeah.
1: When I think back on that movie, I think very favorably on it. But I think it's just because Michael Fassbender is so good in it. Like, the movie is just okay, I think. Passable? It's passable, but he's really good. And so I think back and I'm like, man, that was a really good movie. But I don't think it was. <laughs> I think he was really good in it.
0: Um, <clears throat> Maybe Cool Runnings. You're thinking of John Candy? Because John Candy was just fucking awesome. John Candy is always But then I watched awesome. Cool Runnings, and it's wild fun. Uh, actually, I was going to say Dougie Fresh. But... Is it Dougie Fresh or Dougie Doug? I think it's Dougie Doug. Dougie Doug. Either way, too many Dougs. Uh, who let the dogs out? <laughs> oof, 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 oof. Uh, I can't answer that question. That's a weird fucking question. I don't know. I'm failing our segment. I'm, I apologize. You answered it, so that's good. Yeah. Enough. And it, it is Dougie Doug. Excellent. So right. All right. Okay, All right, so what, what's our final our question? Our last question. Last question is <clears throat> weirdly enough, in sticking with the. The last question of our last segment, the last time we played five by five, it is: What is your preferred type of underwear for each other? Oh, that's, <laughs> that's, a au- weir- that's, that's a that's an weird. awkward question. Um,
1: I would be I would say
0: long johns for you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And my answer for you would be full body condom. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That was a great that segment. Was it. That was a great segment. So once again, thanks everybody for writing in for our five by fives. Um, since this is the end of the episode, we're about to tell you different ways that you can fancy your question to us. Is My that, God is that, in
1: heaven has gone on too long. Is that How
0: you say things? No, it's not uh,
1: here. Fuck. Let me, let me do it. Uh, so if you want to fancy your questions to us, uh, you can use the hashtag ask, <laughs> ask, ask, high five on Twitter or Instagram. And, or you can just post it directly onto our Facebook wall. Now you can find us on Twitter at, at high, the number five, the podcast, or on Facebook and Instagram, just by searching high five colon the podcast.
0: That's right. Um, so check it out. Also, don't forget if you listen on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you may listen, rate and review us, give us a five star review, leave a comment. Those things really help. They help to keep the show going. They help to get more listeners and to bring the show to more people. So we really, really appreciate it. It's very important. Rate and review us. We love all the comments
1: and the ratings we've gotten so far. So just just keep it going. Keep it coming. Totally. Um, we interact with everybody that interacts with us.
0: And don't forget to also check out our Letterboxd. Uh, we are on letterboxd.com at L E T R.
1: L e t t e r b o x d.
0: Ah, uh, that's what I always forget. There's no e. <laughs> yeah, there's no e in, the in boxed. It. And then what we have
1: <laughs> recap lists. We have our ratings of movies that we're seeing outside of filming the show. That's right. Um, and then you can follow our comments in our feed there as well. There will be a list for this episode up cataloging the movies that we've discussed today. And um, <clears throat> and then yeah, it's just it's a really great site. They don't sponsor the show or anything. They're just really cool and we like them,
0: so we want to talk about them. So check that shit out. Uh, Otherwise, that brings us to the end of the show. So we're done. Thank you. Go uh, go watch some one-hit wonder movies. Bye. And that's a wrap, everybody. Cut, Casper. That's a
1: wrap. Cut, print it. What happens in the next reel? Cut. Okay, that's
0: a print. Okay, cut. That's a wrap.
1: That's a wrap, people. Now let's get the hell out of here.